0: everyone, I'm Brandon Odo. And I'm Brian Bowling. And this is Critical Care Scenarios, the podcast where we use clinical cases, narrative storytelling, and expert guests to unpack how critical care is practiced in the real world. Hey everybody, it's Brandon with another Turbo. I want to talk about a topic which is important, I think, to understand for anyone who's going to be managing patients in the ICU with recently placed tracheostomies. Recent trachs are actually, although we see them pretty frequently, really kind of a high-risk population. There are some bad things that happen to these patients. You know, another example would be accidental decannulation, which is really among the higher-risk opportunities to, to lose an airway, and if you don't know what you're doing, to recannulate it incorrectly. But what I want to talk about instead is something that is quite rare. But on the spectrum of rarity, it's in that realm where you could absolutely come across it in a career of any reasonable length, and is absolutely something that you need to know what to do about beforehand. That topic is tracheoanominate fistula. So this is a phenomenon where after placement of a trache, the trache balloon by placing pressure against the wall of the trachea, manages to erode through it and then through the vascular wall of the adjacent inominant or brachiocephalic artery. If you think about the anatomy here, and you think about those arcing inominant vessels in the chest wall and how close they are to the airway, you can imagine how this would happen. And you could also imagine the sorts of features which might place someone at risk for this. If either the trach was placed relatively low, or the patient happens to have a nominate arteries that relatively ride high, either of those are gonna bring those two structures closer together. So, what does this look like? The presentation that should concern you is bleeding from the trach site, from the airway. And what's helpful here is to have some sense for the timeline. In almost all cases, this is a somewhat delayed phenomenon. So if you have a patient who just had a trach placed, and you note a little bit of bleeding from around the stoma or something, of course anything's possible, but very likely that is just bleeding from the procedure itself. This is usually after several weeks. So I wouldn't even really start to give it too much concern until you get out past maybe a week or so. But at that point, bleeding should really raise your suspicion because a large number of these will have an initial sentinel bleed. So some more mild bleeding, which may stop, or at the very least is probably not gonna worry you too much, but that should send up that little red flag in your head wake up the part of your brain that knows about bad things that are not necessarily intuitive. And you should think, could this be the sentinel bleed for a TI fistula? The thing that's going to kill my patient dead if I don't get ahead of it now. In that case, you should assess. And this is the sort of thing where you should call different people and get their opinions, talk to whoever placed your trach and potentially to people like vascular surgery. But, uh, Workup can vary depending on people's preferences. Often, you might want some kind of an angiogram, maybe a CTA, to assess where that vessel is riding. Uh, Sometimes they'll want to do maybe a bronchoscopy. This is the sort of thing you can get people on board with. What if it's too late for that? So the classic massive presentation of this will be catastrophic bleeding in and around the airway. You are literally pumping arterial blood directly into the trachea, and this is essentially a non-compressible site. So you got a few minutes until this patient asanguinates directly into their lungs. So as you can imagine, there is a respiratory issue here. Uh, However, that's probably not what's going to kill the patient first. They're going to bleed to death before they die of hypoxia. What are you going to do about that? Well. You're going to call for help, and the person you're going to call is somebody who can emergently perform a sternotomy and then address a vascular emergency. Who that may be might depend on your setting. It could be that there's kind of nobody, in which case somebody may have to come from home or whatever. In some cases, this might be trauma surgery. They are people. You can crack a chest, ligate the innominate artery, which is probably what's going to happen. Maybe if you have CT surgery immediately available, maybe vascular, uh, but they're probably less likely to be on hand. Really, you'd like to have somebody who is in-house, because otherwise you're going to have to manage this problem until somebody can come in. But this is a perfect example of a situation that you need to figure out ahead of time. You don't wanna be having these thoughts while you're standing in that room with a few minutes on the clock. You wanna know who to talk to, how to get a hold of them as promptly as possible, and how to manage all those logistics to make this as seamless as you can make it. What are you gonna do in the meantime? Because if you do nothing, they're not gonna make it to surgery. There are a couple of maneuvers you can attempt to try to tamponade the bleeding. Probably the quickest, although not necessarily the most effective, would just be to over-inflate the cuff on your trach. That cuff is obviously right in the correct area to apply pressure. So just grab a syringe and put far more pressure into that cuff than you normally would. You could try even to, rather than air, inflate it with something non-distensible like saline or water. That could be more effective, but also could be more complications than you need here. But give it a try and see if that helps to tamponade your bleeding. It may or may not work. The next solution would be to try to digitally apply pressure. Now, you can apply pressure externally under the clavicle, but if you really need to get in there and it's not working, you're going to have to go inside. And, of course, there's a trach in the way, so you're going to need to insert a finger through the stoma, around the trach, and I say around the trach, if you are able to intubate the patient and get an airway from above, that may be even better. Uh, However, if that's not one of your immediate priorities, you're gonna have to work around the trach. So get a finger in there, and then you're going to hook it down towards you as if you're trying to snag something with that index finger, and then pull. And you're pulling the pad of your finger against the inside of the chest wall and therefore compressing that artery against the wall of the chest. Think through this again ahead of time, understand how you're kind of working this anatomy here, but it should make sense how the nominate artery is riding close to the inner wall of the chest and therefore if you can get behind it and pull towards you, you can squish it against the thorax. If you're able to do this, and effectively stop the bleeding, you're gonna to need to keep your finger here. Don't expect it to stop bleeding on its own. The only thing in this case stopping this patient from bleeding out is that finger. So stay here until your help can arrive and plan for them to essentially roll you to the OR with your finger in the neck and prepare everything up to the point where they've actually cracked open the chest and then you can maybe remove your finger. You might be there for a while. If you can get help, of course, they can do things around you. Maybe somebody can help manage the airway. Maybe somebody can start a massive transfusion protocol, get some big lines, et cetera, et cetera. But if you can stop the bleeding, you're doing the most important thing, and you unfortunately are not going to be able to move at that point. So again, perfect example of something that, while not very common and certainly high mortality, If you don't plan through your response to it now, you can pretty much guarantee that mortality because there is just no time. There are emergencies and there are emergencies, and this is the latter. You really are going to have only a few minutes to manage this, and you need to know what to do and, more importantly, how to do it in your case for you, what makes sense for you, what works in your setting. Figure that out now. It really bothers me when people talk about scenarios like this and act as if you shouldn't worry about it because, oh, the patient's just gonna die then. Well, maybe. Or maybe the reason that patient died was because you had such a cynical view of it that you didn't prepare for it, you didn't try, and you weren't ready. Ultimately, of course, maybe the patient will still die, but at least you'll be able to say you were as prepared as possible, you gave them the best chance possible, so what's left was truly just luck and circumstance. That's all for today. Talk to you guys soon.